0: Welcome to episode 31 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for Hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Jason Levandusky. We are joined tonight by producer Dan Humphrey and management, Mr. Scott Harrington. Tim Sullivan has the night off. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and a part of a community. That's why Team Ohio's premier Tier 2 hockey program welcomes youth players ages 5 to 18 years old to join the nationally lauded program with reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prep players for teams at all levels. Team Ohio is here to coach players for success both on and off the ice. Go to www.teamohio.com to learn more. We were all about the college game last week, going over some of the issues of the day with Adam Woden of college hockey news. We talked about the impact of COVID related pauses and outright cancellations by different schools and leagues. We got into the upcoming conference realignments with the WCHA and the CCHA and the possibility of future expansion of NCAA division one. You want to talk about being educated on the college game of hockey. Adam is no joke. And he just literally took us to the woodshed with information. I mean, it was just on point. I mean, the fact that he came flying with—he thinks was it Washington and, and Oregon. Oregon, should, I think, yeah. should have Division One teams. I mean, he doesn't just shoot from the hip. He's got he's got substance behind what he says. And and being that we mainly focus on on high school and local area Ohio stuff. And and we will touch on as we will today as well touch on college hockey players and and junior hockey players. He's across the board. I mean, he's 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 North America. Yeah. I mean, he was talking about about world junior stuff that's going to happen in Alberta, in Edmonton, in Red Deer. I mean, he he's well versed in the game of college hockey.
1: Yeah, I've been saying for years that USC, UCLA, and Florida, Florida State, like that's the sleeping giant of of college sports. I mean, I thought that was a hot take, but yeah, Oregon, uh, Washington or whatever it was, he said, and he he had a couple other uh, scenarios there that might be prime because of the money that they have and the pipeline of junior players coming from that area and all that. So yeah, guys definitely on top of it when it comes to college hockey, for sure.
0: So it was just excellent to to be able to, one, learn, you know, in our area, we're very, I don't want to say we're limited, we're not limited, but the information is limited. The, the, the information is limited, meaning that outside of Bowling Green, outside of Ohio State, outside of Miami University, you can kind of scratch the surface with uh, Robert Morris. You can get a little bit into, into uh, U of M and Michigan, mm-hmm. you, you know, a little bit. But to have that much of a grasp on oh, Hurst as well, I don't want to exclude them. But you, to have that much of a grasp on the national level as a whole was just awesome to listen to it and a total learning experience for for myself and I'm assuming for us. So that was really cool to, to get with him. Um, We also heard from Miami university head coach, Chris Bergeron, who was, who has a very clear picture of where he thinks that program should be, but also where it is right now. No illusions in Oxford with coach Bergeron whatsoever. He wants to get that program back to where it was when he was there as an assistant coach under Enrico Blasi, and the Red Hawks were in the national tournament picture on an annual basis. Now, we are getting Coach Bergeron on the show to interview him as well in, in coming weeks. However, the uh, behind-the-scenes info you gathered for us was just like, whoa! Yeah. Coach Burge not happy. Yeah. Not whatsoever.
1: Yeah. And it was funny, and I don't think I said this last week, so if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But I told him that, you know we'd want to have him on as a guest and i mentioned trying to give us some you know because he doesn't know who we are so i'm trying to give us some street cred so i say oh yeah we've had Blasey on, we've had ty agner on and he goes the problem is that if miami hockey is where it's supposed to be i would have been the first guy you called and i try i start back explaining to him why we talked to the other two guys first and he goes no 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 don't apologize but that's where we are but where he believes things should be is if okay we're going to do a college episode and we're going to talk about the D1 NCAA teams in our coverage area he's the first one who should have jumped to mind and he's the first guy we should have called so uh yeah and then he you know he's just said, like we said just has a very there's no uh, illusions of where they are and that it's just not good enough as far as he's concerned he's concerned that they can they can and will be doing better uh, here in the next few years, but it's uh, with college. It's it's not like the NHL where you have the draft, and if you're at the bottom, you get the first pick of kids for the next year, and you can turn things around quickly. It's it takes a little while in college to get the ship turned around. So, but they yeah. they made some positive strides. They announced some more recruits uh, last week. With Brian uh, Savage's kid was the one name that stuck out uh, for me. He's a you know longtime NHL player who played at Miami, and uh, I believe. Um, I think there's another savage kid, but, um, yeah, so so things are, uh, on the upswing in Miami, but not fast enough for coach Bergeron.
0: Well, you, you need the wins to get the recruits, right? So how do you get the recruits if you're not winning? Yeah. What is the selling point in Oxford right now? I mean, and that's something we're going to have to pose to coach Bergeron and, and get his take on it. among. Uh, a myriad of other things. So yeah, when I listened to what you had, I was like, Whoa, Burge coming out of the rip. Loving yeah,
1: it. It was good stuff. And like I said, well, the first time I called him intense dude and my, my app wasn't working and I had to sheepishly ask to call him back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was very impressed.
0: And it was on tilt. Which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have to get with coach Bergeron. Uh, in future episodes, we're just trying to nail it down logistically. And uh, we'll get his take, man. And I'm sure yep. it's going to be hot and it's going to be entertaining. As, Looking forward as to
2: it.
0: Every college coach, man, you ask him two questions and, and sit back and enjoy the ride because it's awesome.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, so far, none of the teams in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area have played an official game. Bowling Green swept a pair from Division Three Adrian College, 6-2 and 5 none and Ohio state is getting the big 10 season underway with a pair of games at the university of Minnesota. Is it going to go through? I mean, the women were just up at Minnesota last weekend and I believe the men are there right now. They for, are. For, they, for actually, Ohio state.
1: they actually played the first one last night. So well, I know they, they at least got that one in. Uh, and I fell asleep too. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. They were. I think they lost though. Okay. Um, and they are supposed to play again tonight. And uh, so at least they've, they got that underway and i think i i was just talking to danny before we started i'm having trouble keeping up with all the cancellations and that i think bowling greens next couple of games have been called off because of who they're playing so slowly but surely
0: when you don't have a plan for what to do if someone gets it you just blanket statement it all and shut them down
1: yeah well, it's definitely happening. Uh, certainly, in the college ridiculous. game, pro game, yeah, and so we'll, dumb. we'll get into the high school stuff here. But uh, yeah, lots of stuff. Every time I open up Twitter, it's something being canceled or postponed or what have you. So
0: uh, we could do a whole show on it right now. It's just going like wildfire. It's out of control. It's easier to shut it down than it is to search for a solution, a interim solution until a vaccine is available. And even with that, it's just a gong show. And I only say this because there's just stuff changing daily like it has since this all came out. And if we don't get a handle on it, you're going to ruin lives. And in both directions, you know, yes, there's there's uh, uh, way too many people that have, have perished from this or passed on from, from complications of COVID, and then those that are surviving from it or, or healing from it are then having their lives turned upside down to where mental health is on uh, uh ailments are on the rise. It's just it, for lack of better terminology, it's a, it's a shit show. It's yeah. an absolute shit show. And the cover your ass technique that they're using right now is just going to ruin things for years. It's going to take so long to come back from that. It, we're it basically, we're going to go into a, a social a recession, if you will. It's just a mess, yeah. but well, two exciting guests this week, Ben Schoen of the Youngstown Phantoms and Curtis Hall from Yale university, Boston Bruins giraffe pick. Before we get to the interviews, let's catch up with the boys and see what's going on with them. Danny, what is good? I see the dog sniffing at you. What's good with you?
3: Uh, nothing. Yeah, the dog. Moses broke, broke through the gate upstairs. So he's now joined me in the office. Um, But no, I mean, pretty much same as, same as last week. um, Doing what we can to hopefully get, get through a a hockey season. Um, One thing I, I was really thinking about over the weekend was, you know, you always preach, at least I do to my boys, you know, Play like it's your last shift. Play like tomorrow's not guaranteed. Well, that's no longer a saying. Like that's that's mm. legit your life right now. So, um, you know, hopefully we we can get this whole season in and everything, and go from there. Um, and the other thing? The Humphrey household has transformed from fall festive to uh, the Christmas lights and the Christmas tree are now up. So,
0: oh, nice, nice, nice. Now, how trees do have-
3: up. Yeah, we got the tree up.
0: How does your son deal with the ornaments? Because for the longest time we raised the ornament level up so my son could not reach it.
3: Um, we have our, our nice ornaments. So Denise, like Denise's grandma buys her a nice ornament every year, and um some of our more prized uh ornaments are more expensive, are at the top of the tree. Oh yes. Um Anything at the bottom of the tree, typically by the end of the night, is on the floor. Oh
0: yeah. Um how much how much from your son or how much from the dog?
3: From all from my son.
0: <laughs> the okay. dogs kind
3: of dogs, you know, dogs leave it alone. Um
0: I only of, I, I only ask because when we first put the tree up, before we had kids, we had the dog, and the dog just literally he ransacked the tree so bad the thing fell over. <laughs>
3: It was phenomenal. uh, Here, I'll I'll give you um, a quick story. Okay. Before we had our son, we were still living at the house in Cleveland. Um, I don't even know if we were Denise and I were married yet, but her sister was in town, Mm -hmm. um, and she was staying with us for the week, and she brought her two dogs, and in Oregon, her two dogs were just outside, outdoor wild dogs, like lived in the barn stayed on the property no issues i mean dogs are as nice as can be but they're not used to being in a house well she brings them in her house and she comes around thanksgiving time and we uh go to work dogs are running around the living room we come home from work and it it smells like piss (laughs) turns out we looked the dogs peed on the tree (laughs) best part is my uh we bought my sister's sweaters that year for Christmas and they were already wrapped <laughs> underneath the tree. But I got piss, piss soaked sweaters for Christmas. <laughs>
0: Merry Christmas. Yep. What's that smell? Uh. <laughs> <sighs> That's What's,
1: what's going on with you guys? You. Was the... Well, we're, just, we're not jumping to Christmas yet. We're just trying to get through Thanksgiving. So we're trying to figure out what we're going to eat. There's gonna only going to be three of us. So my mom's not coming out, my sister's not coming out, my mother-in-law, my wife's a nurse, so she's afraid to have her mother around her right now. So it's just gonna be the three of us. So I don't know, I don't know what we're gonna eat. There won't be a turkey this year. But I hate to call you out right here in the podcast, Dan, but that is way too early to have your Christmas tree up. Okay, Scott.
3: Um, in my defense, my pumpkins that were on my porch were starting to get moldy, so I had to get them off the porch. Um second off i took this whole week off of work so i have some some free time to to wow. decorate and to help out at home because starting friday the high school season officially you know in my opinion begins and i go two games friday two games saturday a game sunday and then wow. it becomes the you never help us decorate the christmas tree <laughs> you never want to do any of this fun stuff so I'm being pro- so
1: you're, you're saying your wife does not listen to the podcast is what you're saying.
3: No, she does not. She <laughs> listens when I tell her to listen. Other than that, she does not tune in.
1: <laughs> this is the, probably if I had any secrets that I did not want my wife to hear, this is probably the best forum for me to share them. because She doesn't listen either. But no, I, I love just trying to get ready for Thanksgiving. And then uh, I got out to see some high school hockey. Cause I'm not sure how much I'll be able to see this year. So Went out to see a game at Winterhurst and then I, I saw Avon Avon Lake and Rocky River. That was a pretty good game. I was impressed with the uh the level of play there. Good game, Avon one, four to four three. I
0: think. Was was um, that Avon Avon Lake at River? You said yes. Yeah. 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 That 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 those those games are where you throw the records and you throw everything out the window because they all know each other. They're all basically from the same town, separated by you know, a road or two and, and throw the puck out there and let's see who survives.
1: But if I didn't know who I was watching when I went in there and you said, these are two red division teams, I would have believed it. It was uh, was a pretty good game. That's good. And I, you know, so, um, other than that, just, uh, trying to keep up with all the cancellations. I have the, one of the news items here, the first news item, and I've already written in pen three additional things that just since three o'clock this afternoon that have been, uh, shut down so just trying to keep on top of that and um we did make a decision a management uh administrative decision uh that the high school preview that we were going to put together for next week uh here on the podcast we're pulling the plug on that and we're going to get uh the five commit the commissioners of the five leagues around the state and we're going to have them all come on and just kind of give a an update on what's going on in their their area so um that should be informative i, I probably will have more questions and answers you know the yes, way things yes. are going and how quickly is everything change everything is changing but i was sitting there about to burn the candle at both ends for a four-day holiday weekend to get previews done for the website and i thought you know what i'm not doing this and then finding yep. out oh. next week we're not playing so those are kind of on hold um and we'll kind of get through see how things how we get through thanksgiving we'll talk to all those guys next week and then uh hopefully if everything's looking good at that point the week after that maybe we'll do the preview show but um right now just uh trying to make the best use of my time
0: (laughs) that's hard to do yeah i mean you look at everything that's changing daily hourly and you look and you say You know, the state puts it on local, the OHSA puts it on the local, it's up to your own area, it's up to your own school district, it's up to your own health departments, and at the end of it, we're playing past the buck so much that I understand why people are mad. You don't have to agree. Like we've said this a million times. You don't have to agree if this is real. You don't have to agree if this is a hoax. You don't have to agree if this is BS. Whatever you want to mask work, masks don't work. Um, Limiting spectators works, limiting spectators does. not At the end of the day, what will give us the best chance to play and continue on as normal as possible? We have almost zero leadership in regard to all of this. And it's unfortunate because it takes a lot of work to come up with a plan to, you know, you could play the what if game all day long. So in my opinion, I think that what we're doing is a disservice to these kids. I think that it's a disservice to uh, the high schools, to the uh, uh, middle schools, the, the elementary schools. I think it's just a, it's a disservice all around to just shut down. Now I understand this is real. I understand there are hundreds of thousands of people dying. I understand all that. Um, what I don't understand is where is the plan? Shutting down is the scapegoat. Yeah. I understand it's right. I understand, you know, if you look at the beginning of all this and when there was a shutdown, it could have served its purpose. It's twofold. I can't strictly blame uh, uh, the higher-ups for this. I almost called the management. That'd be like talking to you. But I, I can't necessarily put all the blame on them if, if, if society as a whole would just understand that we're, we're, we, we exist for other people as well. And, and I'm not trying to get philosophical on this because I'm exhausted from just today alone, let alone the last week and a half, but, and, and I'm not even dealing with it directly. I could put you on to a guy that has dealt with this directly and he could talk yeah. for days on it, but you know, if you're supposed to wear a mask, wear a mask, you don't have to like it you don't have to think it's right. They're telling us what to do. Well, so what they told you to wear a seatbelt too. Mm-hmm. And you balked at that first. I just passed it on my way here. Truth be told, I was late to taping tonight. I was on my way home. There was an overturned car. I pretty God, the person that was in it had their belt on. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I, I just think that there is such a lack of a plan. So every, this is going to, you were going to catch this, you know, it, Chances are likely you're going to catch this. There's ways not to, but it's difficult based on our numbers. So with that being said, what's the plan if somebody gets it? Shut the whole thing down? Ruin right. everybody? And I'm not saying, you know, I understand how fast this can run through a team in a team setting, which is like we talk about. I mean, you know, as as Ben told us uh, in uh, in an interview that, that, you know, USHL is basically quarantined right now, or at least Youngstown. So yeah. it can run through. But what's the plan? Is the plan to shut it all down? Is the plan to take checking out of the game like they tried to do in the Ontario hockey league? I mean, is the plan to bubble? You can't bubble a high school. If you can bubble a high school team, let's go, let's go. But if everyone did their part, maybe we would slow it to the point where we could have more fans, if fans at all in the seats, not that on a high school level that, you know, we're really counting on a 3000 person crowd to make our budget, but at the end of the day, you could have the parents, you could have the grandparents, you could have the, the relatives, you could have people, the girlfriends, the boyfriends in the stands to watch these players play. Because at the end of the day, we we play this game because we love the game. We play this game to entertain. So, the way,
1: think, the way things have been trending, if someone said, OK, you can play your season, but you can't have people in the stands, I would take that in a second.
0: Just to play? In a heartbeat? Yeah. In a heartbeat.
1: No, my kid doesn't play hockey. I'm sure if my if he did and he was, I couldn't go watch the games, that would drive me crazy.
0: But you but what what about I mean, what are you, Chris Hall
1: sitting at home right now because
0: well, they shut to, everything down and, and let's it go wasn't younger. Better. Let's yeah. go younger. Let's go let's go to uh, youth and high school level where where parents have to drive the kids to the rink. Right. So you're gonna let them drive to the rink and then tell them they can sit in their car and watch it on Live Barn or whatever <laughs> streaming service the arena has. Yeah. I mean. I understand, hey, if that's the way it has to be, that's the way it has to be. But, again, I am i just coach. I don't have a kid playing. So, you know, it's – we go back and forth on this all day. It's been hell for those that are trying to schedule, those that are trying to work through this as best they can to keep their team safe, and those that are trying to just get a season in so these kids, they are going to have something to remember their year by. I mean, uh, the last basically what will end up being the last two years by, but yeah. man, you're trying to make some sort of normalcy for these kids so they can move on and 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 grow from this some way, shape, or form. But hey, man, adversity—how do you deal with it? I'm telling you, the team that's going to succeed is the team that can mentally handle all of this, if you're allowed to play. Yeah, that's a good point. So, anyways, well, as of last call, last check of the of the interweb. Uh, We have not been shut down from reading the news. So we're going to go ahead without fans. We're going to go ahead and get dive into the digest masked and well disinfected to see what's going on in the world of hockey today.
1: Well, our first news item was going to be an update on things that had uh, been paused or closed due to COVID, but it's already old since I wrote it at three o'clock this afternoon. So I don't (laughs) think I'm going to go through it, but I will mention a few things I I said that the Youngstown Phantoms had their game in Aaron Arbor against the national team called off, but they had two more road games before they had their home opener on December 4th. And then those two road games in Muskegon were canceled. So that's out. Um, I know that the uh, capital hockey conference is pausing through the end of the month. Uh, Tournament wise. I know the DePaulo tournament in Oxford was called off and I I'm trying to get a, a confirmation on this, that the, the chiller Thanksgiving tournament, which is normally like 60 teams that, that I don't think it's been canceled altogether, but I think it's a much smaller number of teams that are going to be participating
0: in that one. Ah. Oh, 60 teams. There, There's going to be two teams playing like, eight games.
1: It's going to be in single digits. Maybe. I don't know. The number of teams that are actually going to, to play in that. But I know there are some other Thanksgiving tournaments that are still going on. Um, And then just in the car, coming home, I heard that the Columbus Blue Jackets now had a bunch of positive tests. So they're closing down their camp. Uh, Team Canada, we talked about them and the kid that from Michigan who couldn't go there last week, we talked about that. Uh, They had some positive tests. So they're closing down their camp and uh, not playing their exhibition game that they were going to be playing um and then obviously we heard from the governor this afternoon technically he didn't say you couldn't have fans he asked that you consider not having fans in your in your games for the high school games so uh-huh. uh uh
0: i've been I, I i've been told the ohsa has stated parents only now oh. that was 4 hours ago right who knows what who knows what's going to happen with that and 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 again I, no comment.
1: I will say that I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I don't want to lock things down any more than they are, but I am not a hockey parent and I didn't have a ticket and I got into two rinks over the
0: weekend. So. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> I hope you had your mask. I'm,
1: I'm very persuasive though. And I did have a mascot.
0: Good. On a excellent note, senior forward Tannion Bezier, captain of the Gilmore prep team signed a tender with the Kenai river black bears of the north american hockey league earlier this week bezier will remain at gilmore this year his second with the lancers but the agreement will bind him to the black bears should he play in the tier two junior league next season it will also remove his name from consideration for the 2021 north american hockey league draft bezier 18 spent two seasons at st edward as well as playing with the cleveland barons and team ohio programs earlier in his career he says the Lancers are handling the COVID pandemic the best they can.
4: We all just went all virtual in school for the rest of the calendar year, but we're still allowed to play out hockey, which has been really good. So as long as we can keep playing games, I think that the biggest thing I've been telling my guys is take it, take it game by game or game by game because you don't know when the last game is going to be. So we just have to be thankful each day we're out on the ice and make the most of Every time we skate, because you don't know if it's going to be our last. So I feel like we guys have really took that at home, and uh, we've really been taking things seriously, and knowing that, hey, we might not have tomorrow, so let's make the most out of it today.
0: Bajor sees the North American Hockey League as an ideal intermediate step between the prep and college ranks.
4: And the amount of love and support I've got from everyone here has been unbelievable. Like, all throughout Ohio, like, wherever I played throughout hockey, is has been it's, the love and support is unbelievable. But every coach that I've talked to about this, I called them thanks. Um, they just said the, the work has just begun. So I know I know it's going to be a big step up from U18 hockey. I have a lot of buddies playing there right now, and they said it's 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 the real deal. So I just I have to keep working harder to get to keep preparing myself to get to that point. And it's gonna, I think it's going to be great for exposure for my goal of playing at the collegiate level, and I think that the fast pace is really going to be good for me because I know, like, the physicality and the speed and, I mean, almost everything about the league is going to be a lot faster than what I'm used to, and I feel like it's going to be really good for my growth and development as a player. I'm excited to go make the most out of the
1: opportunity up at Kenai. The Columbus Mavericks and Buffalo Thunder played a two-game series at the Cavelli Center in Youngstown on Friday and Saturday, and some of the Ohio-born players on the Mavericks sparked the team to a pair of wins. The two teams played a barn burner on Saturday. Medina's Danny Beebe picked a great time to score his first goal in the United States Premier Hockey League, lighting the lamp with 439 left in the game to give Columbus a 7-6 win. The Mavericks were down 6-3 in that game, but came through uh, Grove City, the Mavericks found themselves down 6-3 midway through that game, but Grove City, Ohio native Drew Donahue came on in relief and stopped all 17 shots he faced to backstop the comeback. It was just his second appearance of the season. The Mavericks also defeated the Thunder 7-3 on Friday night. Derek Richardson scored four times in that game to give him a team-leading 14 goals on the season, and Tyler Dorian stopped 29-32 shots to pick up his fourth win both Richardson and Dorian Hale from Pickerington, Ohio.
0: Cleveland Monsters signed a handful of players to American Hockey League contracts last month, and we had the chance to speak with a few of them recently. Justin Scott is back for his fifth season in Cleveland and finds himself 20 games short of the Monsters' all-time games played mark.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously I just
5: want to, you know, play as many games as I can and play good hockey and uh, you know, the goal is still to play in the NHL, but obviously uh, obviously it's it's a it'd be a you know, really good achievement. Cleveland's a, you know, it's a hockey town. It really is. Um, and, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, I'm privileged to, to be on the team for five seasons now. So it's going to be good.
0: Dylan Simpson said it's important to have a firm target date for the start of the AHL season. So players can ramp up their training.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially mentally, just having a target and goal and knowing how to map out how you got to go about your business is uh, huge, um, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic that that's that's the start point. So from here on, you know, you have your. For me especially, I have my normal workout routine, but it's more so on the ice. I ramp up as we get closer. So that's a that's a huge thing uh, to know in the back of your mind. The start date.
0: Tyler Sakura is back in Ohio after starting his career in Toledo with the Walleye from 2015 to 2017, and appreciates what that stop in the East Coast Hockey League did for his career.
3: Looking back on it, I think that's you know one of the most important parts of my career was going through some of the both the good times and the bad times uh, in the ECHL, getting to play over twenty minutes a night because there's only ten forwards and developing in pro hockey. And I think uh, I was pretty surprised, and I I know a lot of people are surprised when they go to the ECHL at the quality of some of the players and uh, the organization, especially that I went to Toledo was. Just incredible, you know. I made some lifelong friends there, and it's seven, eight thousand fans every single night, and everyone was very dedicated to to winning at that level and also developing players and moving them on. So,
0: it's time to get on air with our first guest, a native of Maumee, Ohio, a current member of the Youngstown Phantoms, and a recent signee to attend Penn State University. Let's get on air with Ben Schoen. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and part of a community. Go to www.teamohio.com to learn more. Our first guest is a native of Maumee, Ohio. He played Tier 1 AAA hockey for Bell Tire and Little Caesars before. For returning to Ohio to play in the United States Hockey League with the Youngstown Phantoms as a 16-year-old in 2018, currently in his third season with the Phantoms, he represented the United States at the 2019 Gretzky Halinka Cup, and last week signed a national letter of intent to play for head coach Guy Gadowski. Did I say that right, Scott? At Penn State, huh? Gee, Gee. all right. Well, guess what? Last week, nailed. See, that's the one Pollock to another. <laughs> Last week, signed his national letter of intent to play for Guy Godowski at Penn State. Please welcome, on air, Mr. Ben Schoen. Ben, thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate it, bud.
2: Yeah, Thanks for having me, guys.
0: So, we're, you You told us you're at your billet house in Youngstown. How have things been for you guys currently with everything that's going on, uh, how's it been for you guys in, in Youngstown?
2: Yeah, it's been uh it's been pretty crazy over here. Uh last last week in particular, um we're kind of all the teams quarantined right now. Um that's why the games aren't are being held this weekend. But um, you know, it's tough times right now and you kind of just gotta stick with it and um, hopefully we can uh, be back on the ice here pretty soon.
0: Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh God, would that be great? So you yeah. grew up in the Toledo area. You played, yep. you played your, your minor hockey in the Pizza League for Bell Tire and Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Yeah. Um, at any point, did you consider playing high school hockey at, at one of your local high school affiliates there in Toledo?
2: Um, you know, I always wanted to. I think it'd be pretty cool uh, to play in your hometown in front of all your, all your buddies. But, um, you know, what's kind of ho- how hockey works, um, you know, to go to the next level and, and to play Division One college hockey, you kind of go, got to go out. Um, for me, it was Detroit, um, to kind of get exposure. So, um, I would have loved to play high school hockey, but, um, it just didn't work out.
0: Which school would have been your, your school of choice? Uh,
2: Anthony Wayne. Okay. Uh,
0: Yeah. So were you, when you were playing in Detroit, were you still able to live at home or did you go bill it then?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's about an hour, hour and 10 minute drive. So it wasn't too bad. I mean, um, you know, late nights, um, but nothing, nothing too crazy.
1: Uh, You're getting ready to play your third season with the Phantoms there in Youngstown, but you have not been in a game yet. We mentioned that the Phantoms started with a 10-game road trip and will actually only play three of those. So obviously there's some COVID issues that everybody's dealing with, but you personally, uh, you have some type of injury. What's the the nature of the injury that you're dealing with and when are you going to be able to play again?
2: Yeah, uh, actually the first day back uh, of training camp, kind of just a little hiccup on my ankle. Um, you know, nothing too severe is more of a, a high ankle strain. And, um, I've been out for about six weeks now. Um, but the plan is to, as soon as we get out of quarantine, I'll be good to go and, and back on the ice. So, um, it was tough sitting out. Um, obviously last year I got hurt. Um, I was out for about three months, so it was tough to start off, you know, the first practice getting hurt, but, um, you know, you face adversity and I'm used to it now, so really fired up to uh to get the season started for me and uh get back on the ice with the boys well six weeks but you only missed three games so yeah it hasn't been too bad <laughs> I before, so that's been a positive
0: have you been able to do any sort of uh, uh rehab skates yet
2: Uh, yeah a couple rehab skates nothing too crazy um you know a lot of rehab off the ice we have a great staff down here a great training staff so it's been nice but um you know the ankle feels good now nice and strong so um, like I said, excited, excited to get back for sure.
0: I'm sure you're chomping at the bit. So you yeah. just signed your national letter of intent with Penn state. Talk us through the process of making a verbal commitment and how that progresses to the national letter of intent.
2: Um, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, I was originally committed to Miami, Ohio, um, committed there at a young age. Uh, my second year in the USHL, um, kind of just felt, you know, I kind of rushed that decision. Um, you know, wanted to reopen my options, um, went down to Penn State, um, had a great visit with, with coach down there and, uh, you know, I, I kind of left knowing I was in love with the place. It was kind of a no brainer um, with Penn State, um, you know, they've had huge success winning the Big Ten last year. It's a great program. Um, you know, they send guys to the pros all the time. So um, super, super excited to get started there um, and, and can't wait. It's, it's an unbelievable school, unbelievable atmosphere and a state of the art rink. So it should be, should be fun.
0: What other, uh, what other options did you have? What other schools? You've mentioned Miami, you mentioned Penn state. What was there any uh, interest from any other, uh,
2: school? Yeah, I think it, it came down to, uh, about two schools. Uh, the last final decision was between Penn state and Ohio state were, were the two front runners for me. Um, and you know, they were both, great opportunities for me. Um, I just felt personally with how the style play Penn State has and the coaching staff just fit best for me. So um, it just, it worked out.
0: That's awesome. Happy Valley. Yeah. Getting a good one. Happy Valley's getting a good one, buddy. I like it.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Regardless of what my sweatshirt says, I love it. Yeah. I'm loving it.
1: And until you sign the letter, is there any, with a verbal commitment, can you just change it? Yes, yeah, uh, so
2: a, any- a verbal just means um, you technically said you're you're planning on going there, but yeah, at any point um, you can leave and, and go to another school. So signing it means you're you're locked in and you're planning on attending a school. Gotcha. So, um,
1: what is it like playing in the USHL on a regular basis? Like, what's your? I know this is vinegar, so nothing's normal, but. You've you've played there two seasons already. What's like the, the practice and travel schedule? You're still in school, obviously. So, what's your routine like?
2: Um, it, it was it was a little crazy my first year um, coming over as a 16 year old, being pretty young. Um, you know, playing with guys that are three four years older than me. But um, you know, you get used to it fast. It's kind of it's kind of like a pro style. You know, you're you're on the road a lot. You're playing in front of you know big crowds. So it, it's pretty cool. Um, I think the biggest difference is just how big of a jump it really is. Um, you know, people, a lot of people say triple A to juniors is is one of the biggest jumps you'll make, and and I think it is. I think um, you know just the speed of the game um, and the physicality and how big and strong guys are. But um, you know, I kind of kind of took me some time to get used to it, but eventually got the hang of it. And um, you know, I have a great coaching staff in, in Youngstown, and they're always positive with me. Um, throughout my first year and then um, last year was was tough with getting injured but I mean um, it's 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 like playing like a pro style you know you're you're playing games a lot you're playing 64 games a season so it's it's a grind but it's it's very fun and um, if you love hockey it's it's nice
0: what's your favorite what was your favorite place to play at other than Cavalli Center Mm. Where's a place that just like the barn is electric every night and they just hate yeah. you.
2: Uh, I think Waterloo, Waterloo, it's, it gets crazy down there. The fans are, are absolutely nuts. I mean, it's it, by warm, by the start of warmups, it's sold out. And um, somehow every time we play them, it's dollar beer night. So it's, it gets <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> we love it though. We're, we're a hard-nosed team. Uh, we like to hit and we like to fight. So somehow every time we're down there, there's a big fight and the fans love it. And, um it's it's pretty crazy but funny story last year I was playing in Des Moines um and it was actually in a shootout um they just scored but they waved it off so the fans were throwing beer on the ice and stuff and I needed to score next to keep it going but there's so much beer on the ice they had to like wait clean it all off so I'm getting <laughs> beat that by I think 5,000 people throwing beer at me and I had to go off wow. <laughs> that was pretty pretty crazy but um Definitely, the teams out west—they get uh—they get pretty crazy out there.
0: That's awesome
1: for sure. But those are are those bus trips for you from Youngstown? Yeah,
2: yeah we're, so... we're by far the worst <laughs> travel in the league for sure. But um, I think we had. I I was I was hurt, but we went out to Fargo, um, and it was it, I the boys said it was bad. It was I think it was 22, 23 hours, but. Oh fed I mean, th- the stories I could say on bus trips, I mean, one of them last, I don't know, it had been my first year, we were going to Tri-City, um, I think it was 18 or 19 hours, our bus broke down, um, we had to stop and we were at a Cracker Barrel, um, they said they would fix the bus, They'll only get a couple hours, so we're all just like, all right, we'll just get breakfast. We ended up being there for like nine hours um uh, sitting in a cracker barrel I think we breakfast lunch and dinner there it was absurd and then we had to play that following day against tri-city it was the number one team in the league i think we lost like nine to one or something it was bad but we uh we've had some rough rough bus breakdowns in youngstown so but it's uh-huh. fun you're with the boys and you're with them you know all day all night so it's it's fun, but yeah, the bus trips are are a grind for sure.
0: Was there a good discount Did, did Cracker Barrel? Give you guys a good discount for <laughs> doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the same place?
2: Yeah, I mean, they weren't. Ex- we weren't expecting. It was kind of just like, oh, we're gonna order lunch now, and then oh, I guess we're staying here for dinner. So, kinda- <laughs> so what different. do you
1: do on a what do you do on a twenty two hour bus ride? Well, I guess you said you skipped that one, which is
2: smart. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've had some some twenty hour bus rides. I think you just. Uh, you hop on a laptop you find a good movie and you kind of just stick it out uh but lately we leave a lot of times at night um and we're fortunate enough to get a sleeper bus so we all get so it's we're kind of drive through the night so you're kind of sleeping um so it's not too bad but i mean sometimes on the way back if you had a bad game it's a long long bus ride (laughs) that
0: 22 hour bus ride just increased by 22 hours
2: yeah it's it's not fun but like I said, it's it's a we use that as advantage. You know, you get to spend time with the guys, you get to get close and and bonds. So, um, How
1: many movies must you
2: must you watch in a
1: in a season? That's gotta you gotta be going like picking the bottom of the barrel by the end. You're yeah, watching I mean, movies. More I think probably. I've seen everything on Netflix by now.
0: <laughs>
1: here's what here's what we'll do. Who's one of your teammates that's very talkative, funny? The two of you watch movies on the bus and then you give us um, movie reviews and we'll put them on the podcast.
2: Wow. Ooh, who could I do that with?
0: See, we're just trying to open up business opportunities for you for <laughs> later on in your career. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I'll have to get with some of the. let throw that out there. I'm serious. Give that yeah, some thought. We could do something like that. Cause we definitely, yeah. uh, we definitely have movies. We watch a lot of them for sure.
0: <laughs> How hard is it to stay in the routine on a bus ride like that? I mean, if, if you're, Traveling overnight, how hard is it to sleep at your normal time to sleep? I mean, you, hockey players, I mean, pro, athletes are are creatures of habit. So, you're okay. you're you're in those habits. How hard is it to you get on the bus? Let's just say, argument. You get on it at like eleven o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night, yeah. And you're driving overnight to get to wherever you're going. How hard is it to stay in that routine? And have you just gotten so used to it that the routine is kind of almost changing and evolving?
2: Um, I think it's it's kind of like you got to take it like a pro style and um, you know, you can't change it. Um, The bus rides are what they are, but um, most of the time we get there, um, you know, we sleep through the night, right. When we get there, we go right to the rink and hop on the ice. So you don't really have time to like, think about it. You're already right back into it once you wake up. So I think, you know, those first three strides on the ice are definitely not the best, but um, you know, once you, once you're on the ice and you get your legs going and then um, after, after morning skate, start thinking about the game and, um, you're kind of right back into it. You go to the hotel, um, have your pre-game meal, um, do some video with the team, and then uh, go back to the rooms and start mentally preparing. So it's, I mean, I'm this is my third year now, so I'm kind of used to it now. But I think at first it's definitely a little different to, uh, you know, hopping in the car with mom and dad and going down to the game, your AAA the game or the tournament. But um, yeah. I, I love it. Uh, I think it's fun. I think bus rides are awesome. And, uh, you know, I love playing hockey. So it's it's definitely worth it.
0: So you came into the league as a 16 year old, how, how more, com- how, how much more comfortable did you feel on the ice at the end of your second season compared to your first introduction to tier one junior?
2: Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was just confidence. Um, you know, I came in 16, I was really small, um, you know, really light. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was just to stick to my game, which is quickness and, and making plays. So I think uh, my first year took some adjustments um, it took time, but the coach stuck with me and then, uh, you know, going into my second years, just confidence, you know, going in without hesitation, ready to go every night and, um, you know, being, being someone the team can rely on for sure.
1: And you were selected to play for Team USA at the 2019 Gretzky-Hlinka Cup. Uh, for listeners who don't know, that's basically a U18. They have the U18 World Championships in the spring, but not everybody can play. So this is in, I think it's in August. Yep. and it's uh so it's basically a best on best uh for under 18 players um did you have any idea ahead of time that they they might be looking at you for that was that a, how overwhelming was that being a part of that team and going to the Czech republic to play in that tournament
2: yeah it's uh they do it uh U18s and u 17 year um you go to Buffalo for the national camp. I was fortunate to make uh the U 17 year and the U 18 year. And um so I was kinda, you know, going into my second year with, with them. So um, but I mean, man, it's it's an experience like no other. Um getting to play against the best of the best in the world, um against her in, in front of pretty much almost every National Hockey League team is there. So it's pretty special. Um and and obviously to represent your country is a, a pretty cool experience. Um uh, I mean, it, it was tough. We we needed to. Uh, you needed to win two games out of the pool. Uh, we lost the first game to Russia, um, won the second game against Slovakia, and then needed to win the third uh, to move on against Sweden. We lost in a shootout, so we were pretty close to making the semis, um, which have been a huge accomplishment. Came up short, but uh, heck of an experience. Um, never forget it. Um, never take granted for playing for your country. It's, it's so unbelievable, and it's. An experience I'll never forget for sure.
0: What was your first thought when you put that USA jersey on you for the first time?
2: Yeah, we had uh we had a scrimmage game uh in Hungary. Um I think there was like 8,000 people at the game. Um it was their national team. Uh you know, I was this is my first year. I was 17 years old, you know, still a little kid. Uh, you walk in the locker room, you see all the, the US Nike jerseys hanging up with your name on. It's it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And then stepping on the ice and playing against a different country and um, the fans over there in Europe are, are nuts. They go crazy. So it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in hockey. And um, you know, hopefully one day I can uh, throw the USA Jersey on again and, and do it again for sure. would be pretty cool.
0: So you, you, you get on the ice and, and obviously you, you play at a high level. You're, you're accustomed to the high level. How long before the jitters left you? I'm, I'm assuming it was warm up. I'm assuming it was, I mean, you have a job to do and you understand that and that's why you're there. But you're playing for the United States of America. You're putting that jersey on for the first time. You're going out to a hostile crowd that's just electric. And you're playing against a, a whole other country. How long did it take to just, like, go, all right, here we go?
2: Yeah, I think it's the first shift is Uh the puck's all over the place. But I think, you know, once you once you throw a body or get hit, you're kind of right back into it. And then you go to the bench and you're kind of like, all right, let's go now. It's, it's game time, you know looking up in the stands, seeing all the people it's, it's there, but you kind of just got to focus on the game and, and, but I mean, it's definitely a little nerve wracking the first shift always, but um, you know, once, once you get that first body in, you're you're ready to go for sure. That's awesome.
0: So an overwhelming majority of the players in the USHL go on to play NCAA division one hockey. It's an outstanding caliber hockey that I'm sure our listeners, you know, they can obviously appreciate who are some of the best players you've gone up against. Uh, with your time at the phantoms
2: wow um i've been lucky to play against some pretty good hockey players uh my first year um we played the us we played the us team a lot um and that was the the jack hughes team the cole caulfield alex turcott you know all the best players at the time in in the world so um it was pretty cool experience um just to see those guys and the level they play at um obviously jack hughes went first overall that following year so it's it was a pretty cool experience just to see um, the level those guys could play at and the speed and, you know, the ability to see the ice and make plays. So um, I think those were, those were the guys I remember the most. Um, and then last year, I mean, guys that got drafted in the first round, like guys like Brennan Berson and um, Thomas Bordalo, you know, all really good hockey players that I've been able to go against and battle every day. Did, did
0: you put a stick on uh, Caulfield and go, you're overrated? You just let him
2: right out of the rip. No, we actually had a, it was pretty funny. We were, well, it was, they were beating us bad and um, he hit one of our guys from behind and um, we almost had like a bench clear. It was bad. Um, you know, half our team was gone, half their team was gone. And it was just every, every man for themselves. And <laughs> We were supposed to play them the next day, um, but they wouldn't come play us because of the ball, the brawl. So they sent the the 17th team down, but um I think he got a couple of shots in. but.
0: <laughs> so how you've talked about those you've played against. How about some of the guys you play with? Out of all the guys you played with in Youngstown, who do you think that our listeners could end up seeing in the National Hockey League someday?
2: Wow. Um, I think, think a big guy I, I look up to, um, someone I've kind of been able to talk to um, my whole time in Youngstown who was also a tender uh, was Trevor Kuntar. Um, You know, came in at 16, um, played three years for the Phantoms um, and his third year really, really took over and found his game and had a great year, obviously put up, you know, close to 50, 55 points, um, was drafted, I think the third round by the Bruins. So um, he's someone I've always kind of looked up to. He's just a tremendous hockey player. I mean, it shows, but he's just a great person off the ice and someone I really kind of leaned on and Uh, You know, when I was struggling or, you know, he went through the same thing I did. So it was kind of someone I could really talk to. So he's definitely someone that I think you might be seeing in the future in in the National Hockey League for sure. Playing at Boston College, I think, this year, right? Yes. Yeah, he's there right now.
0: So there's a lot of – hell, this is even strange to say because there's a lot of turnover at your level from year to year with guys either – you know, going to NCAA or, or, or maybe trades or maybe just whatever it is, but with this COVID and everything, it's even more bizarre. Um, obviously you're injured right now and you're slated to return, uh, once the uh, quarantine is over, what do you foresee this season looking like for yourself?
2: Um, I think, you know, this is my third year. Um, you know, I know what it takes to, to win at this level and, um, you know I, I had a really good summer um you know a lot of emphasis was put in on you know trying to gain weight and you know i put up gained about 15 pounds so it was it was a huge summer for me i knew what i had to do um you know i was hurt all year last year came back the season got canceled so it was kind of didn't really get my opportunity uh to show what i can do so i think um this year's a big year for me to just prove people um show people what i can do and uh you know i, I think by far the most confidence I've had going into a season for sure.
0: That's awesome. Well, Ben, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to uh, hang out with us, get the word out about what you got going on and how you've progressed throughout your career. I know Penn state's getting a good one. I know you have an excellent work ethic. I know you've dealt with the adversities for going on your, basically your second time now after, after last season, and you're going to come out of this even better than, than before. So continued success to you. Thanks again for being on the podcast.
2: Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me guys. Thanks, Ben.
0: Thanks buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Our next guest is from Chagrin Falls, Ohio and played for the Cleveland Barons growing up. He moved up to the junior level to play with the Youngstown Phantoms for two seasons before moving on to Yale university, where he is currently in his junior year. He was drafted by the Boston Bruins in the fourth round of the 2018 NHL entry draft and represented the United States at the 2020 World Junior Championships in the Czech Republic. Please welcome, it is our privilege to have, to the on-air podcast, Mr. Curtis Hall. Curtis, thank you so much for joining us today, bud.
5: Uh, Really glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: How's, uh, How's things been, man? I mean, you know, you're at school and and COVID's going on, and and what was the what was the status of schooling for you? We know where hockey went, but where is the status of school? Where was the status for schooling before you, as you told us, have just recently come home?
5: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much it's been all over the place. Um, you know, I was at school for you know the first semester up until just a couple of days ago. I came home and. Um, you know, obviously the hockey aspect, we weren't able to practice or do anything as a team. So, um, you know, doing school and just that kind of being a normal student uh, was definitely different. And, um, you know, because of that, I was able to, um, you know, give myself a little bit more of a workload, you know, get a couple extra credits in, but it's been definitely difficult having everything online and through Zoom and, you um, you know, the expectations are all still there for us. So it's been difficult, but, um, you know, we're getting through it. So Absolutely. semesters. Done.
0: Well, good. Um, I can't even imagine. I, I understand what it's like being in the workforce and having this stuff go on. And I can't imagine you're there for a purpose. And at the end of the day, one of your purposes, I guess, is to uh, progress on to get that notification from Boston that, that it's, you know, we'd like to have you now before Mm -hmm. we get to all that and and we get into what's going on or what went on at Yale and what is going on in the Ivy league. Can you talk to us about your growing up in hockey and, and where you got your start and, and, and what led you to ultimately, what led you to Yale?
5: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically I'm a Cleveland kid through and through, um, or at least you could say Ohio. So I started, um, started playing, um, you know, house league at, at Gilmore Academy and uh, played for Gilmore for a couple of years, like when I was really young and then um, jumped up to the Barons and played there for team Cleveland. Um, and then was there all the way through my U16 year and had a phenomenal, phenomenal time at the Barons, um, you know, with Tom Goble and Russ Sinkowich, um, both great guys and, you know, everybody included there. I love that program and, you know, it really got me to where I am now. And because of, you know, Tom Goble and Russ, those coaches um, were able to, you know, land me a spot, or at least help get my name out there in terms of the USHL. And then, um, yeah, I signed a tender with um, Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL and played there for two years and had a great time there as well. Um, I think, I believe it was after I had already tendered that I uh, then committed to Yale. And um, you know, at the time I was getting looks from, from, a variety of schools and had always wanted to go to a great school um you know a great educational school and um as soon as as soon as yale reached out to me and you know i got to go visit the campus and how beautiful it was there and and the coaching staff and um <laughs> um yeah no, not at all once i you know saw the place there i kind of had my eyes locked on yale and um maybe a half, half a year after I first visited there, they, um, you know, they offered me to come there and it's history from that. So, um, so how,
0: how, how was the transition for you from the AAA a level to junior a and, and, and how did your time in the USHL prepare you for division one college?
5: Yeah. Um, I mean the jump from, from the Barons to the USHL was definitely difficult at first. I mean, going there and, and tendering for Youngstown. So playing there as a 16 year old was, um, you know, definitely a different kind of hockey than I would ever played before. Um, but at the same time, I was very excited for it. And, um, you know, excited to, to kind of move and go play somewhere else. And um, it, I mean, it was great. And, you know, there's a few different areas where it really helped me to, you know, to get to the NCAA level after that. Um, you know, obviously the physicality in the, in the USHL is, is, um, one of the main factors and, and, you know, kind of not the defensiveness of the league, but it's definitely teaches you to, you know, teaches you how to play good solid defense and, um, you know, playing against 21 year olds as a 16 year old, um, definitely progressed my physicality and, um, you know, strength and quickness and you kind of just catch up to it. So playing with guys that are way older than me, it's, you get on the ice with them and you know, you're, you're kind of playing up to their level. Um. And that kind of, you kind of ride that train for a bit. Um, and yeah, so going from there and getting to Yale, it's, I'd say my jump to the USHL was probably, um, a bit more difficult than it was to, to go to the NCA from there. Um, but you know, I'm thankful for that.
1: And after your uh, second year with the phantoms, you're eligible for the NHL draft. Uh, so I have some questions about what that year was like, but you, they also, you had some team success that year. Youngstown played <laughs> in the Clark cup final. Yeah. Um, you think, uh, and I was actually at the game where Fargo won the cup, really? but, um, uh, do you think that helped your draft stock playing late into the season, some high profile games? Uh, did that yeah. help with your uh, I, draft profile?
5: I definitely think it did. Um, You know, I did, I had a pretty decent second year in the USHL and definitely not the year that I wanted to, wanted to have at least, um, you know, from a, a statistics standpoint. Um, so definitely getting those, those extra games in at the end of the year and making a run, um, in the playoffs. And, you know, unfortunately we lost to Fargo in the finals, but it was definitely an experience that, you know, I hadn't really ever had before. Um, and yeah, getting those extra games in late and, um, you know, I played, I kind of, you know, stepped up a little bit more in, in playoffs, you know, going, going deep into playoffs. So I think I definitely held my draft stock a little bit. Um, but, you know, I was at that time just really excited to, to, you know, go to the combine and um, you know, from there, go
1: to. Yale. How was that thing where you have to ride the bike until you puke? what's that called? I think the VO2 max, it's either that or the wind gate. Um, Yeah. How was that?
5: But (laughs) it was, I had never done anything like it before. Um, And, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys would, you know, have.
0: Did you throw up? No,
5: I didn't throw up. (laughs) Yes.
0: All right. That a boy.
5: (laughs) No, I didn't throw up and I, you know, I can't even remember what my score would have been, but all I remember is that it was, very exhausting and you know being hooked up to like these oxygen masks and um you know having people like yelling in my ear was something that I'd never done before you know being pushed to that limit um but yeah that I mean that whole experience at the combine was was eye-opening and and different from anything I'd ever done before you know interviewing with with NHL teams and then if you're not doing that you're doing these strength and conditioning tests to see you know how you how you do in comparison to the rest of the guys so um, it was, it was crazy for sure. What's the interview
1: process like? How many people are in the room with you and did they ask you any crazy questions?
5: Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I had an interview with, with maybe 12 or 13 teams. Maybe I can't remember exactly, but each one of them, um, you know, this was in the Buffalo arena, the Sabres arena. And, uh, you know, they, they're all stationed in like their own suite. And so you're walking past like every, every suite with a different team on it and like players standing outside of it, just like shaking, waiting to go in. (laughs) But yeah, there was, from what I remember, it varied. A couple of them would have like three guys. Um, My, my interview with Boston and Boston had like, I want to say six or seven guys in there. Um, And it would basically just be a variety of questions from whoever was in the room. Um, And I don't recall getting any, crazy, um, you know, out of sorts questions, but, um, you know, they were generally all along the same baseline.
0: So what does this do for you? All right. You're, 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 you're hoping to be drafted. Mm -hmm. Now you're at the combine. I'm assuming after the combine, you're, you're back in Youngstown. So what did that whole process of the combine of the interviews of everything that goes with it? What did that do to your mindset? going back to Youngstown, was it something where it was like, you know, this is closer to being real. This is now it's time to push more. Or was it like lack of better terminology? Holy shit.
5: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a, you know, a holy shit moment, Um, (laughs) but from a good point, I mean, just being able to go there and be invited to the combine was an honor and, you know, I was ready for it. Um, It was like I've said, it was eye-opening, you know, seeing all the other top prospects there and like um, you know, some of the first rounder guys like strutting around or hanging out. Um, and I'm over here like, you know, I just want to be drafted, you know. <laughs> but I mean, I wouldn't say it it did a whole lot to me in general. It was just another stepping stone along the way. Um, you know, a path that I'm still on, you know, nothing is is for sure until you know it really is. So Um, you know, it definitely gave me some confidence and, and some, you know, relief that, that, you know, I've been doing the right things. Um, But, you know, great experience.
0: So you get drafted by the Boston Bruins, an original six team with a boatload of history. Right. What was it like on draft day for you? What, what is, when you know the NHL draft is going to take place and your name at the time could potentially be announced, (laughs) what, What is going through your head and what is that day like for you, Curtis Hall?
5: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, probably the best day of my life. It was a whole whirlwind of emotions, you know, Um, instead of, um, you know, actually going to the draft, I decided to just stay home and kind of have like a little house party with a bunch of my hometown friends and family. Because that was like one of the biggest, one of the hardest things, you know, growing up playing hockey is that, you know, you really, you're gone a lot of the time and, you know those weekends that you miss out with your buddies or whatever and this was such a big day for me that you know I didn't want to be gone in another state you know I wanted to be home with my family and friends so even that in itself was awesome and I, you know I had all my family and friends over so we're you know watching the TV watching the TV and um you know I mean my my name eventually gets called in the fourth round and you know no matter where I could have or would have ended up in, in that draft, you know, I'm going to be equally as excited. Um, so, I mean, it was a crazy day and um, a lot of fun and, um, you know, all the all the work that, that I put in and all the dedication that my family had, you know, put towards me, you know, uh, you see it pay off a little bit. So everybody was certainly really happy and wholehearted. So it has
1: to be excruciating waiting for your name to be called though.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, (laughs) I remember really hoping to go in, you know, in the third round or the late third round, and then it
1: gets into the fourth
5: round and I'm like, Oh my God, like, (laughs) is this going to happen? Like all my friends and family just going to leave here. Like, like, and, and the funniest part was that, um, when I had actually like, when they actually called my name, of course, it was a commercial break. So like, so I <laughs> so, like the first thing or whatever, I like, they, you know, I didn't actually see them hear them like say Curtis Hall or whatever until like a video afterwards. But um, oh. first thing I did was, was get a call from my advisor and he was like, you know, congratulations, like all of this stuff. And I was like, where am I? Like who picked me? What happened? <laughs> um but yeah, it was, it was awesome.
0: So after that, does, does Boston then reach out to you? Someone from the organization reach out to you and and welcome you in? And what, yeah. is, what, is, what is that? Truth be told, I will never be drafted by anybody under the sun. So I don't know what that's like. That's why I ask. Yeah. Um. So basically after that phone call with
5: my advisor and a little celebration with the family, um, you know, like a big group hug or whatever, I got a call from Um, you know, I don't specifically remember who from the organization, but, um, you know, they called me and said, congratulations, like, welcome, welcome to Boston. Um, and basically told me that, you know, I'd be getting on a plane in like three days and going down there for development camp. Um, and so, you know, from, from the time that I got drafted to, to that phone call, it was like. I just wanted, to like, you know, party all weekend and you know, really enjoy this. But, you know, two days later, I got to get on a plane. So, um, obviously very exciting, but, um, you know, keeping my eyes straight forward and, and, you know, going into training camp,
1: at least they didn't have a TV camera on you, on your couch. There's always that one kid in the first round that falls and yeah. they just keep going back to him sitting there like right. sweating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you go to development camp and so three days later you're on the ice with a lot of really good hockey players. How how many kids are in that camp and who are some of the big names that you are on the ice with uh, in your first development camp?
5: Um, I mean, so pretty much it was just, you know, the other draft picks, the other prospects. So um, Axel Anderson who went second round. I believe they didn't have a first round pick that year. Um, and then Jacob Lauko, who's who was a third round pick and then myself. Um, and then, you know, picks from the previous years and, um, then as well as like some invites, um, so like Jack Becker from, um, Michigan and, and guys like that. But it was honestly not as, not as like, um, you know, straining as I thought it would be. It was more of like a, you know, we drafted you like, come and meet everybody, meet the staff and get acquainted with everyone and really just kind of settle in and, um, you know, understand that we're here to you know help you on your path. So, um, you know, we'd skate once a day and did some workout tests and, um, did some team bonding stuff. Like I remember we did, uh, this huge like hike and trail in the woods. And then my second year, we did like a paintball match. Um, but it was more of just like a, you know, get to know the other prospects and, and have a good time together.
0: What kind of feedback they give you after your first camp and did it differ? How, how drastically did it differ after your next camp?
5: Yeah. So after my first camp, um, you know, obviously I'm just a fresh draft pick. So they're, you know, looking forward to me moving on and, and continuing to develop and, um, you know, go to college and, and have a good time there and, and really progress. And then um, you know, going after my second year there, um, you know, they were telling me I really wanna shoot for for world juniors and um, you know, that I have a great chance of making it if I have a good season and you know, play well and continue to grow. So um it's always just been from a development standpoint and um not so much of like we're gonna, you know, see you here and then and um, you know, obviously they'll guys will come out to games and, and watch me and we'll talk after. So, um, you know, they're always there.
0: So you touched on making the world juniors and you, you make the team 2020 world junior championships in the Czech Republic. How did you find out that you made the team?
5: How did I find out? I think it just got released. Um, You know, we got a, or well, actually it was that training camp, sorry, but basically, you know, they invite, two times or they invite two teams worth of of players that they want to pick from and we have you know a week 10 day training camp in um michigan and you know every few days they would they would cut a few people and um you know you'd have meetings with some of the coaches or whatever and then a couple of days later they would you know cut some more people and um and then once it really got down to it we traveled to the czech republic and there were still two guys who, who needed to be cut, um, you know, after we had already all traveled there. So that was when tensions were really high. Um, You know, we flew all the way out here, you know, I'm not, not going home now. Right. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, basically, I believe it was one morning and they, they kind of told those, you know, texted those two guys and, and, you know, kind of informed them that they'll be going home. And then we had a team meeting afterwards where it's, well, this is your team now and, you know, let's really, you know, create some chemistry and, and have a great time. So it was a crazy, really crazy. Experience.
0: So playing for team USA, did you have to accept a different role on that team as opposed to the role maybe you played in, in Youngstown and or at Yale?
5: Yeah, certainly. Um, they had seen me, you know, as a big strong forward um, with, you know, the physical aspect and, you know, good defensive um, mindset. So, that's kind of the role I was playing there. Um, You know, definitely wasn't a top two or three top two line guy. Um, But, you know, I was proud enough and honored enough to make the team. So absolutely whatever they told me or wanted me to do, um, I was there to do that. And yeah, I mean, I knew going in, I wasn't going to be their guy for, you know, their goal score or whatever. I mean, they have unbelievable players that, that are there for that. So um, I was there to fill a role.
0: Could you tell us what's an Eli No. Okay. <laughs> but Eli
5: Yale?
1: Yeah, that's what they call the team. They either call them the Bulldogs. They—I remember. I'm a little older. They used to call them the Yale Eli's, and I don't yeah, know I what an Eli is.
5: <laughs> You're making it look bad. Now I should probably. Know.
0: We, we, we can edit. We can edit it out. It's okay. <laughs> well, no,
1: we're not editing it out.
0: Well, well he's management. I, I gotta. <laughs> It's his third year there,
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> not a freshman. No, oh, actually, I look. I know because I looked it up. It's is the, it, the, is it, the guy. The, it's, it's the founder. Yeah, it's his 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 full name is Elijah or something. like that. So he. Elijah. Yeah, yeah, that would have been
5: my guess. I should have said that. I didn't want to look mm-hmm. stupid and say something wrong. So
0: You got enough <laughs> stuff going on, man. It's all good. Yeah. This but is what happens this is what happens when you have a research yeah. team that looks into this stuff.
1: And
5: yeah,
0: right. I just read it, man. I don't know. Yeah.
1: So, uh talking about going to Yale, though, an Ivy League institution, that's that's some serious academics and mm-hmm. how difficult is it to balance? I mean, you spend a lot of time as a D one athlete on your, with mm-hmm. your sport, obviously. Right. How difficult is it to balance school and academics? Um, you know, my first year, my first
5: two years, it was definitely difficult to balance them. Um, you know, I would really say my freshman fall semester was where it was the hardest, just, you know, getting adjusted to, to, you know, being at this Ivy league school and also practicing and working out every day and playing every Friday and Saturday. Um, so it was definitely hard to, to, um, you know, balance the two. And, you know, with my mindset, you know, I want to be a hockey player. So it's definitely, was definitely hard at times to really focus on school and putting hours of work. Cause you know, it's definitely not easy at all to get by there. But I, I, I would honestly say that being there in the first semester of this year, that it, you know, it made it way harder to do school, not having this, you know, not being able to play hockey and go to the rink every day and you know blow steam off and have a great time with my teammates. So, I mean, being at school this year and you know living at the hockey house now, being off campus with with my teammates and you know we're doing school online and you know in our rooms every day and you know not being able to go to the rink and battle and compete against each other, it really really uh, you know affected us
1: and um, made things harder for sure. And what do you I'm sorry if you said this, what's your major? What are you study? Uh political science. Oh, interesting. Good time for that. <laughs> um, so the uh the COVID shutdown, uh, for those who are listening who don't know, the Ivy League came out and said all winter sports are just not going to play this year. So um mm-hmm. how did they let you know that? And you already told us that now you're you're home here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um but how did they let you know that? And what was the, what were your teammates saying?
5: Yeah. I mean, it's been a really difficult time for us as a team. Um, you know, this year we, uh, we knew we didn't have a great chance of playing, um, but we were all still really hopeful and, you know, going through the phases of, of the athletic department where we can, you know, work out at, at our rink at Ingalls rink and, go on the ice for 10 minutes after workout to, you know, do a little conditioning skate. Um, So, you know, we were really, really looking forward to getting things started. And, um, you know, basically the athletic department sent uh, all winter athlete students an email to a Zoom link and said times at 630. And uh, we hopped on and it was, you know, the president of the school and, you know, the higher ups in the athletic department. And they basically just told us that this is, uh, you know, hard, but for the safety of everybody and, um, you know, whatever, whatever else they said that, you know, we're not going to have a season, um, and, you know, to those spring spring athletes that, that they might, but it was definitely a really hard time. And, you know, a lot of our teammates really and myself included, didn't like the way that they handled it and handled it. And, uh, you know, the way they treated us, but, um, you know, there's nothing
1: we can do about it now. So. So, um, you haven't been on the ice all that much since, um, you know, at a high competitive level, since you're at that development camp, what are your plans now that you're back here in Cleveland to, uh, get your workout in Is Russ going to keep you busy?
5: Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, we were actually able to skate, you know, not officially on campus at school, but we would do groups smaller than 10 at an, uh, an off campus rink. So. I was definitely skating still, um, you know, once or twice a week. And, uh, now that I'm home though, um, and don't really have much else to do. I mean, the first semester of this year is wrapping up in the next two weeks. So from then, from then until February, we have, you know, no school. So it's a couple mm-hmm. months that I'm looking forward to train pretty hard. And yeah, with Russ, I was on the ice with him yesterday. So, um, and then he, you know, gave us the week off for Thanksgiving, but, um,
0: what a guy! What a guy, Rusty. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: Well, there's a group of guys you have been skating, and uh, you know, I came back Sunday and skated Monday morning, and then he's like, "All right, well, that's it for the week." And I'm like, "I just got home. I'm ready." To train. <laughs> <laughs> I care about Thanksgiving. Um, um, but yeah. So you know, next week, obviously, in the coming months, I'm you know ready to really do some good training.
0: So, what are your options for the rest of the year? I mean, as as a 2000 birth year. Could you play in the, in the USHL as an overager?
5: Yeah, um, there's, you know, I definitely, there, there are options and, um, you know, going back to the USHL is one of them. Um, do, the, do, the fan,
0: which, do the Phantoms still hold your rights or, or how does that work?
5: You know, I believe they do. And um, honestly, if they don't, I wouldn't even know. Um, but I haven't, you know, they haven't really reached out to me, um, and, which is fine because I was never planning on going back to the USHL. I mean, I've had, a solid two years in, um, you know, college hockey and I, you know, didn't really want to, um, you know, backtrack and, um, you know, then I, you know, I'd go there and I'd have to, you know, I'd have an expectation of, you know, putting up whatever points or playing this well. And it's just, um, you know, I'd rather just, you know, train and, and get ready for, for the next step or the next season.
0: What is, uh, I'm assuming when the Ivy league decided to shut the doors for the year, that mm-hmm. you spoke with Boston and, and what, what has Boston told you, suggested to you, giving you things to think about mm-hmm. and has any of those been possibly turning pro now? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I've been speaking with them for
5: a while and, you know, throughout quarantine before I even went to school this year. Um, and they're obviously really happy with, with the, the season I had last year. And then um, unfortunately we, we weren't able to have a training or a development camp over the summer, just because of, you know, COVID. Um, but they've, you know, they, have they, we've kind of laid out all the options and, you know, they, they agree they didn't want me going back to the USHL and they didn't want me transferring. You know, one of the biggest reasons I went to Yale is to get a Yale degree. So I wasn't, wasn't looking to transfer either. Um, and yeah, there's definitely, you know, they, they have an option for me, um, you know, to sign, And, you know, at this point, there's, you know, I've been speaking with them and there's really no decision to be made yet because for one, we don't even know, you know, when, when training camps are for that, or even, even if they're going to have a season, if pro hockey, you know, aside from the NHL, obviously, but, you know, the AHL, if they'll have a season, it's undecided. And so that's why I'm pretty much here at home now, just training for the next couple months, you know. Um, expect you know, going to train as hard as I can as if I were to sign pro. Um, mm-hmm. and then honestly, I won't you know have an answer until until we talk further and um you know get into the real details. But so I'm either training and you know hoping to look forward to that, or you know otherwise um, you know return to return to Yale next year.
0: Well, you have the a million options and your work ethic and in, in speaking with Russ and actually speaking with Russ before you even went to Youngstown, your work ethic is second to none. Your attitude is, is unbelievable, especially given what you're going through right now. Sky's the limit. I, I hope that if, if you do decide to uh, make the jump and turn pro, that you'll uh, keep us in mind to break the story. Cause that'd be really excellent <laughs> for ratings for us. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> we can break the scoop right here. Curtis Hall signs. Yeah. And whether you're you're going to the big team or, or you're you're in Providence in the American League, yeah. whatever it is, Curtis, best of luck to you. Congratulations. Yeah. We want to thank you so much for having you uh, for taking the time out of your day to come on with us. Hell, you yeah. just drove back from from Yale and to jump on with us. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you. And and man, sky's the limit. And and we're very very proud of you. We have followed along from afar and to, the, to those that know you better, but but we're very proud of, of every step you've taken so far and continued success to you.
5: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for doing this.
0: This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio, with reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels. Team Ohio is here to coach players for success both on and off the ice. Go to www.teamohio.com to learn more. Well, guys, another show in the books, and and what a show it was. Getting a chance to sit down with a member of the Youngstown Phantoms, Ben Schoen, and from Yale University, Mr. Curtis Hall. I thought Ben shows a tremendous amount of resolve for, you know, being – injured uh, much of last season uh, starting out this season injured and just his overall personality was very upbeat. I mean, they're, they're going through a, a tremendous amount of adversity with the COVID and attack on top of that, his own injuries. And he just had such a positive look on things and, and, you know, he he's going to do well, as I said to him in the interview, he's going to do well in, in uh happy Valley at Penn state state college. And he just, you can see the life in him, and you can see the love for the game in him and, and how he spoke about it and, and his route to getting to this point in his career.
1: Couldn't wait to get on that bus for the 20-hour bus ride. That's how much he loves the whole – everything to do with the being a player in the USHL. He just loves it all, including I mean, the bus rides. That's well, the awesome. Fact,
0: the fact that you're sitting out for so long, it wouldn't matter if it was a six-day bus right. trip. He'd jump right on that bus to be with the boys, yeah, as he kept saying. I'm sure. And voice. I've been watching
1: voice. uh some Big Ten hockey lately. That's been the only thing that's on. And I tell you what, that is uh, Minnesota, Ohio State, Penn State, th- those are some really good Michigan, obviously. Um, there are a ton of really good former and or future NHL players playing in the Big Ten. That's that's a huge uh huge opportunity for him to go play for the Nittany Lions. Absolutely. I, wa- I don't know if you took Note of the names he rolled off when he, you know, you asked who some of the players he's played against. I'm going to go see that when the team you. I think they make two trips a year to Youngstown, that U.S. National Team Development Program. I couldn't get there last year. I don't remember why, but they come here twice a year. I don't know how much the ticket is for to see a Youngstown Phantoms game, but if you're a serious hockey fan in this area and you don't get up to one of those games, you got to get up there. Eight first-round picks. On the team two years ago. Good. And a handful of last year. Crazy good future stars, not just NHL players, stars. And you can go catch them up at the Cavelli Center a couple times a year.
0: And then we had the opportunity to sit down with Yale University's Curtis Hall, uh, Chagrin Falls, Ohio native, former member of the Youngstown Phantoms. Quite the situation Curtis finds himself in, as do many, many players uh, that are in, in collegiate hockey right now that have the opportunity to uh, stay or move on to possibly signing a pro contract and getting that part of the career started. Um, you know what? It, he was just so mellow about it. And so matter of fact about it, that he, I mean, th- they've been through it for months now, since the Ivy league announced they were shutting down and, and Yale announced they were shutting down. And, and so he's been through it, been there, done that. And I, I think mentally he's moved on. But, again, fortitude to understand that, you know what, something is going to happen. He would not break the story for us. Curtis, come on. And tell us if he was going pro or not or making that next step. But sky's the limit for him. Options are out there. And it's just a matter of finding what will work for him right now.
1: Well, he made it pretty clear that his plan and where he would like to be would be playing hockey as a junior, his junior year, his third year of NCAA hockey with Yale but that's not an option so he and a lot of other players are going to make some tough decisions here in the next couple months
0: and 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 a lot of them are going to turn pro because what are you going to do you know what
1: it just occurred to me today that he was eligible to play in the USHL I I was thinking he's a junior he's too old uh, junior year of yeah he's too old so I thought oh he can go back and play for the Phantoms but to his point why would I want to go do that And take a step back. It's not going to, unless he scores two goals a game, you know, they're going to be.
0: You never want young guys to have to make real life decisions before they're ready. And and I'm not saying that these guys aren't ready and any of them that decide to make a decision one way or another. uh, That's not the point of it. But these guys, you know, you go to play at that level to possibly move on to a a career in the sport and now you're putting them in a situation where (laughs) you're going to have to turn pro early and take that long haul because it's not going to be easy or you kind of have to decide are you going to put your career on hold and remain a student so to speak because obviously guys always still manage to to finish their their uh, academics whether they turn pro or not but you're, you're putting them in this situation and I'm not saying it's not a justified situation i'm not saying that by any stretch of imagination but it's you know it's unheralded times we we, we've never seen this before we we don't know how to deal with this and i just hope that all these guys make the decision that's right for them which i know they will and like you said scott we're going to see a lot of guys turning pro and the unfortunate part is where are they going to go
1: and the you know if you're trying to make a career in pro hockey you're playing the long game it's not about getting up the ladder as quickly as you can. It's not about how good he is this year, it's about how good is he going to be when he's 25. Yep, 26. And some guys uh not just Curtis, you know, just in general, some guys need a little bit longer uh to develop before they make that next jump up to in his case the American League or, you know, whatever, you know, guys going from junior to the NHL or whatever it is. And I thought it was a very mature uh attitude that he all things considered, he would he's not necessarily looking to sign a pro contract and turn pro as quickly as he can. Right. All things being considered, he he would want another year of college before he, before he went up to the next level. But like we said, uh he and a lot of other guys are going to be uh turning pro just because that's what they, they can't just sit around for a whole year and right. not play hockey for a whole year. When you're a fourth round draft pick, you've got to keep moving, keep developing. And I don't know if there'll be options in Europe for some of these guys. So many guys went to Europe first. Uh, NHL teams were NHL, European born NHL players were staying there. NHL teams were sending prospects. And once NHL camps open up, there's going to be a a vacuum, you know, a back, uh, whatever, backdraft of guys coming back this way. So maybe a lot of guys will head over to Europe at that point. I don't know. Well, well you know,
0: when, when we spoke with Mike Rupp a few weeks ago and Rupp talked about the advantages of playing NCAA hockey, and one is some guys are just late bloomers and some guys need that structure of the NCAA game to develop, take more time to develop. You know, they're not ready at at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old to make that jump to pro hockey. So the 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 the, the average, I guess, of players – playing junior hockey, and then going to college is roughly entering college around 20, 21 years old. So you've had two more years than guys that go right to pro hockey. Well, now that's being taken away to an extent that's being taken away. So that development period that you could have in in collegiate hockey is going to be shortened. And from a mental standpoint, that's going to be hard from a physical standpoint, that's going to be difficult, but you know, it, it's, we're in interesting times and we're going to see interesting results from interesting encounters. So, Well, fellas, that's all she wrote for episode 31 of On Air. Thank you to our guests this week, current Youngstown Phantom and future Penn State Nittany Lion, Ben Schoen, and former Phantom Boston Bruin draft pick Curtis Hall of Yale University. You can find the On Air podcast at www.OhioHockeyDigest.com with full episodes and archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continuing to grow the game as best we can, this is On Air, the Ohio Hockey
6: Digest podcast. Just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. No. Nobody- from the dog, no small. And mama cooked the breakfast with no hog. I got my grub on, but didn't dig out. Finally got a call from a girl I wanna dig out. Hooked it up, but later as I hit the dough, thinking, will I live another 24? I gotta go, cause I got me a drop top. And if I hit the switch, I can make the drop. Had to stop.